0: Good morning. Our psalm today is from Psalm 46. If you'd stay, we'll sing together.
1: and our strength, a very present help in trouble, therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling.
0: Strengthen me, help thee, and cause thee to stand, upheld by thy righteous omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I call thee to go, the rivers of sorrow shall not overflow, for I be thee thy troubles to bless and sanctify.
1: Let us come before the Lord in prayer. Father, you are righteous and just, faithful and merciful. We thank you that you reached out to us in love when we embraced hate and death, that you called us into the light when we walked in darkness. We pray that by your spirit this morning, you imbue us with a life that is found only in your presence. Lift the heads of those of us who have been cowered by the burdens and worries of the world, the pressure to perform at work or school, fear of not being good enough for our friends or letting down our parents, the pain, the pains of our bodies or minds or wills failing us. Let us see you and know that you have not neglected us. Soften our hearts to the suffering and pain that afflicts our city and envelops much of our world that you love. Grant us the courage to believe and act in the light of your goodness. Father, through song and word, fellowship and sacrament, remind us that we, who we are, your children, loved, called, informed to love and serve a weary world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The children um, can be dismissed for Children's Church. We'll now continue our service through a time of confession. We will first do so corporately um, and through song, and then we'll have a time for quiet personal confession. God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, Give us rest from our sin and our anxiety, and help us to confess our need to you, gracious Father. for quiet personal confession. Father, we thank you that you meet us in the poverty of our spirit, the mourning of our sin and our frailty, and promise, blessing. We rest in the promise of that blessing, that our failures are not, cannot surpass your desire for us. May we know the truth of that and rest in it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please stand for the words of assurance. Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Um, Just as we have been welcomed, let us welcome one another.
2: So let me read uh, God's scriptures for us. Uh, The Old Testament lesson is from Jeremiah uh, 23, uh, 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, You have scattered my flock, and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to the fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, The gospel lesson is from Luke 23, verses 33 through 43. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him, and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. This is the word of the Lord. I forgot my sermon, so I'm going to go get that now. (laughs) All right, I think that will go better if I have that in front of me. Um, You'll see a note in your order that we have been looking at the first half of the Book of Romans this fall, chapters 1 through 8, and today this is the last Sunday in which we will be doing that, and then starting next week is the season of Advent, and we'll have a new sermon series that takes us uh, to the celebration of Christmas. Um, But one of the images that I've been asking us to have in mind throughout the sermon series is the image of of a building being constructed, a new structure going up. And if we can have that in mind, then the the first four chapters of Romans is Paul doing what we might call foundational work, digging, removing old concrete, laying a new foundation. And in that foundational work, he tells us that the main subject is not him, it's not the church in Rome even, it's something called the gospel of God. And he announces from the beginning, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, it's the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. First for the Jew, then for the Gentile. And he goes on and he argues that all of us need this very gospel. All, the Jew and the Gentile, the wise and the fool, all of us are under sin and we can't get out on our own. And all of us have exchanged the truth of God for lies and for idols. And then citing Abraham, Paul explains that nobody... No one can get out from under the law or no one can be declared righteous or fully accepted by God based on what they do, based on works of the law. See, the foundation all leads to this point that we all need help. We need God to act for us. And so if the first four chapters are foundational work. The chapters five through eight is putting up the structure, if you will. It's Paul pointing to this structure that God has established and the person of Jesus, this shelter that welcomes individuals, that forms a community that dwells with God in Christ, learning to live in a new way. And it's because of that that these chapters 5 through 8 are all about hope, hope that there's more than me, more than my resources, more than my sin, more than the powers that work around me, that God has not forgotten or left us. And so today we're going to look at chapter 8, and it is the culmination of this structure being described, the structure that God has put in Christ. And if we were going to ask kind of what is a kind of a chief message of this new house, or what is kind of one of the main things that this new house is all about, there's probably a number of passages we could look at. But chapter 8 of Romans would be a really good option. What is this place? What is this house all about? Well, chapter 8 in Romans starts with this announcement. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And the chapter ends with a promise. There is nothing in life nor death, on earth or in heaven, that can separate us from the love of God in Christ. See, that's what this new building is about that Romans has been telling us over and over again in different ways that here there is no condemnation and there's no more separation. So let's look at our passage. This is, we're going to look at the first half of chapter 8, verses 1 through 17. It's printed in your order of worship. You can follow there or follow in your Bible. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption of sonship, by whom we cry, Abba, Father, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This is God's word. It's given for our good. Well, as we look at this passage, there's a lot happening in the passage, but we're going to ask two questions to help us enter into it and understand what uh, God is Helping us to, wanting us to see. And the two questions I want us to ask are, what has God accomplished in Jesus? What has God accomplished in Jesus? And then the second question, how does this accomplishment free us to live in a new way? How does this accomplishment free us to live in a new way? So let's start with this first question. What has God accomplished in Jesus? Well, our passage opens, as I said in the introduction, with this proclamation that there is no condemnation for those in Jesus. And this announcement comes right after chapter seven, which had this personal narrative of, a, of an inner struggle. Maybe some of you remember Paul writing, what I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things I despise. I don't understand my actions. I do not do what I want, but I do what I hate. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. This deeply personal narrative leads Paul to conclude, to say at the end, what a wretched man I am, or what a miserable person I am. I need help. And then basically asking the question, is there anyone else, is there anyone to help me? And what I want us to see is when chapter 8 starts with this proclamation, there is no condemnation. It is the gospel saying, yes, there is more than you. There is someone. The announcement of no condemnation is at the heart of the gospel, the good news And it's the other half of the gospel announcement that we heard earlier in chapter 5. Chapter 5 said, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. See, these things go together, chapter 5 and chapter 8. Together we hear, what is this building? What is this new house like? There is no condemnation. You have been justified. You are not condemned but you are rather declared in the right. You are fully accepted, received into the covenant family. Your sins are forgiven and you are welcomed into the house of God and you now stand fully in the grace of Jesus. This is the gospel announcement that speaks into the inner struggle. And after this announcement comes what we might describe as an explanation, a series of for's, or depending on the translation, a series of becauses. There is now no condemnation for or because the law of the spirit of life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is now no condemnation for or because God has done what the law could not do. There is now no condemnation for or because living in your own power, seeking to get out from under sin on your own, leads to death. But living in the spirit and the power of God leads to life. I want to highlight one part of that explanation, part of that series of fours or because. There is no condemnation because God has done what the law could not do. God has done what the law could not do. One of the things that Romans has been telling us is that God's law is good. It tells us God's character. It tells us what neighborly love looks like. We were told earlier that we should not covet, not jealously desire the things of our neighbor. But not only does it tell us like what is good and what neighborly love looks like, it also reveals our sin. It shows that we are lawbreakers. And so it condemns us. And sin is like this tyrant or this bully that uses the good law to hold us down. If you can picture in your mind, this bully that's taunting us with our shame and our failure and ultimately our condemnation But in Christ, we are liberated. We are no longer under the law. For God has done what the law could not do. It brings us back to this opening question. What has God done? What has he accomplished? And you notice how it's explained. God sent his own son. God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, meaning Jesus, the eternal word, came in the very likeness of our sinful humanity. And when he came, he came as the Christ, meaning he came as our representative. And as I read from the Gospel of Luke, on the cross, King of the Jews was written above Jesus as he hung on the cross. King of the Jews was an announcement. It was to say, here is the Christ, Here is the Davidic king who was to represent God's people. And at that moment on the cross in Jesus' body, God condemns sin. In the flesh of his son, God condemns sin. God draws in evil, he corners evil, and he condemns it in the flesh of his son. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for all who are in Christ since the judgment that we deserve has been fully borne by our representative. Whereas the prophet Isaiah said, hundreds of years before Christ was born, the punishment that has brought us peace fell upon him. As we think about this accomplishment maybe I, we can take a moment to think about the this experiences maybe that we've had have you ever walked in somewhere that you don't feel like you belong could be all sorts of reasons don't look the right way wrong clothes wrong credentials have you ever felt like an impostor that you might be found out whether it's in a classroom or at work in a relationship. I ask us to think about that experience because our passage invites us to imagine us being welcomed into a house. And as we brought in, if you're like me, it's likely that our spirit, our inner voice will cry out, listen, you don't know what I've done. You don't know who I am. And Jesus, our host, says with tenderness and with assurance, there is no condemnation for you. I've put it all away. Our spirit may be crying out inside of us, you don't know what I have failed to do, what I've left undone that I was supposed to take care of. And again, our host, Jesus, looking at us and saying, there is no condemnation for you. I have fulfilled everything. This is what we're invited to experience and to know. What has God accomplished in Jesus? That Jesus is the fulfillment of God's promise to not leave us in our sin and misery, to not let sin or our failures to be the final word in our lives, that Jesus came in the flesh, and although he was without sin, he bore our condemnation in his body. Yet he has been declared with power to be the son of God because he was raised from the dead, showing that he is the final word over all things. What has God accomplished? There is no condemnation for what God has done, which the law or our good actions could not do. Well, that first question tells us about God's action, and it leads us to a second one. A second question that we can ask is how does this accomplishment free us to live in a new way? How does God's accomplishment free us to live in a new way? we started off and i've asked this for a few weeks for us to imagine the construction of a new building and i said that this image is helpful because one of the ways to understand what gospel salvation is is that we have moved from one house to another house god has done what we could not do ourselves what the law and good actions could not do god has moved us from an old house an old structure into a new one and Paul has been developing this theme since the beginning of chapter five and he calls this old house the house of Adam our first father it's the place of a trespass it's the place ordered by the logic of death marked by separation with a culture of silence and shame and fear fundamentally telling us and everyone who dwells there you're on your own and you must look out for yourself You're on your own. And what the gospel has been saying, we've heard throughout Romans, is something very different. There is another house, a home built by Christ, a home of peace and connection, life and love. And I want us to see in our passage that Paul takes this image, and as it comes to the culmination in chapter 8, he actually deepens the image, the image of a new home, He deepens it through the language of adoption. It's it's a new home, but we're not just brought in for special occasions. We're not just let in for a moment or two. We're brought in to be part of the very family. This is what the Spirit of God keeps telling us, that we are now sons and daughters in Christ. Therefore, we are brothers and sisters to one another. In this house, we are not alone. We're not left to fend for ourselves. We are God's very children. And so it comes back, what is God's accomplishment? What does it mean? How does it free us to live in a new way? Paul writes that if we have faith in Christ, then we have received the spirit of adoption. And the Holy Spirit, one of its primary jobs in our life, Primary jobs is to bear witness, to remind us consistently we are children of God. The Spirit bears witness to us. We have not received a spirit of bondage to live again in fear, to live again in fear like we did at the old house under the tyrant of sin who constantly taunted us for our failures and our shame. The Holy Spirit's job is to bear witness to our spirit, telling us again that we can cry out to God, the creator of all things, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is this language of tenderness of a beloved child saying, Papa, or Daddy. And it appears three times in the New Testament, twice in Paul's letters, when he's trying to explain to us what it means that we have this new identity as God's children, that you can speak to God in this way. This is who you are now. But the third time that it appears in the New Testament is in Mark chapter 14. I think this is really interesting, that when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, moments before he is arrested, moments before he knows he will suffer and be beaten and publicly humiliated on the cross, He asks his disciples, his closest ones, to stay up with him and to keep him company, to pray with him, but they all fall asleep. They're so tired. And in his loneliness, he cries out, Abba, Father, be with me. And in Jesus, what the gospel is announcing to us today is that we have a fundamentally new relationship with God. God is not the one who condemns us, not simply this distant creator, but the Spirit is bearing witness to our inner spirit that we have this tender relationship with God as our Father. How does God's accomplishments free us to live in a new way? What we live, I was thinking about this, we live in a hyper-competitive world if you're like me, we feel it everywhere pressure. In this hyper competitive world, it, what it does is it turns our classmates, it turns our coworkers, it turns even our neighbors and siblings into rivals. It has this magical power to turn them into rivals. We live in a hyper competitive world. The World Cup starts today. I don't really have to mention this, I just thought I should work it into the sermon in some way that there's soccer gonna be on for the next month. But I like to watch you know, competitive 90 minutes of soccer. It's great to watch. I'm sure you like certain things like that as well. But I think we should also wonder, is it really the best lens, this hyper competition? Is it the best lens to view myself, to view my neighbors, to view my siblings, to view my God. In light of our new relationship with God brought into the house, the home of Jesus, adopted into his family, Paul tells us to set our minds not on the flesh but on the spirit. It's important the flesh is used a lot in our passage The flesh. Flesh does not refer to our physical bodies. It's not a contrast between the physical and the non-physical. Flesh, what it means in the scriptures, is that kind of corruption of the world, the rebellion of the world, of self-centeredness, of turning away from the God who made us. It's ultimately the house of Adam, the way Adam lived. I'm alone, and I will fend for myself, and my life exists in, in me. And what I want us to think this morning, what us to remember, is that there is religion in Adam's house. There is religion in Adam's house, and what I mean by that is that there is talk of God and devotion of God in such a place. But all it is is another way to compete. Another way to keep others as our rival, to fend for ourselves, to seek a sense of control, to tell myself that I'm okay, that I'm even better maybe than others. And setting your mind on the flesh in such a way as that always leads to division, fits of anger, jealousy, rivalries, and idolatry. As our passage says, it always leads to death. But the Spirit bears witness to us, inviting us to put our mind on the Spirit, not the flesh, that God in Christ has freed us from the old house and moved us into the new one, adopting us into his family. And in what God has accomplished, it turns our rivals back into neighbors. It turns our rivals back into brothers and sisters. It turns even ourselves from one who's fending for himself or herself into a child of God. And that's why the Spirit tells us that when we walk in the Spirit, we'll see things such as love and joy Peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. For the Spirit desires what Jesus looks like. It desires serving and benefiting others. And that's why the Spirit leads to peace peace with God, peace with oneself, and peace with neighbors and fellow Christians. Romans tells us the good news. The gospel is not first and foremost what we do or how we respond. The gospel, first and foremost, is an announcement of what God has done in Christ. And the way for all of us to find life and peace is not in ourselves and what we can accomplish or how we're better than others, but in the gift of Jesus. For in such a gift, we find a new home, a new identity, and a new way of life. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for who you are. And we thank you, Lord, that you are gracious to us. Even while we continue to set our mind on things that are flesh, isn't we set our mind on how we'll get what we need? That you are faithful, quick to forgive, and steadfast in your love. Let us today, and as we go forward, walk as your children. Let us hear the voice of your spirit that tells us who we are. In Jesus' name we pray.
0: Amen. Would you stand and join us in singing?
2: Father, you have sent us your spirit to be with us forever, to dwell in us, to renew us, and to show us what is true. Therefore, with great joy, we join with your company on earth and all the company of heaven in the unending hymn. Amen.
0: You may be seated.
2: Having heard God's word, we're now invited to come to the table that God sets for his people. One of the questions that our passage from Romans 8 asked us is Am I Setting my mind on the things of the flesh or the things of the spirit? Am I setting my mind on the things of the flesh? Am I walking and kind of continuing to live in the ways of Adam's house? Or am I setting my mind on the spirit of living in the new house that God has given to me? And one of the things that we've been heard throughout this series is that the answer into such questions is not that we go off by ourselves and promise to make things different or better but the answer is to move closer into the gift that God has given to us the answer is not that somehow I'll figure these out and and start you know keeping things the way they're supposed to be but rather moving in humility into the gift that God's given and this table set before us is a picture of that gift a family meal a place at the table of God not because of what we've done or promised to do, but because of the broken body and shed blood of Jesus. For a place here is a gift from God, a new identity given to us, a new way of living given to us. So today, if we hear that question, am I setting my mind on the way of the world and flesh or setting my mind on the way of the spirit in Christ? Let us come in repentance and faith, let us come not with promises about what we'll do, but let us experience and experience, receive the gift of Christ, for you've been adopted by God. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for this table, and I pray, Lord, that you'd set apart these elements for sacred use, that you'd meet us here by your spirit, that you'd speak forgiveness into our guilt, that you would speak acceptance in Christ into our shame, that your spirit would speak to our inner spirit, reminding us of who you are and what you've done. give you thanks in Jesus name, amen. on On the night that he was betrayed after giving thanks, Jesus took the bread and he broke it saying, this is my body, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way after supper, Jesus took the cup saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Whenever you drink it do so in remembrance of me for as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup we proclaim the lord's death until he comes again this table is set for all those who have recognized their need and their sin and put their faith in christ all are invited to come to christ's table to eat and drink if you're not a follower of christ we're we're glad that you're here we still invite you to come forward just put your arm across your chest Or if you're not taking communion today Put your arm across your chest, and we're happy to offer a prayer of blessing for you here at the table. I invite those who are serving to come forward. Everyone else who is participating can come forward down the center aisle and receive the elements or a prayer of blessing at the front and go back on the sides. I ask that you'd hold the elements until everyone's been served, that we can eat and drink together as one family. Let us now come to God's table. <laughs> Christ's body was broken to make us whole. Let us eat in faith. In Christ's blood, it was shed to cover all of our sins. Let us drink in faith. In response to this table of grace that God gives to us, let's let's stand and we can pray and sing as God's people. (coughs) We give thanks to you, almighty God, for nourishing us in Christ. By your spirit, assure us that we belong to your family and are heirs of your everlasting kingdom. Help us to offer ourselves as a holy and living sacrifice as we proclaim the mystery of faith.
0: Christ has died Christ is risen Christ will come
2: We're going to continue our worship through a time of giving gifts uh, to god to the work of the church it's a chance for us to respond to the generosity of god you'll see a note that you can uh, give into the offering plate or you can also give uh, if you'd like to the the church's website or by text Uh, there's also a gray basket that the greeters will pass you can put your community cup into the basket um, and the offering and the plate (laughs) Uh, just a couple of quick announcements if you're visiting uh, this morning we're really glad that you're here thanks for joining us If you'd like to uh, share your your contact information with the church and get the weekly email and have a chance to learn more about the church, um, there is a QR code in your order. You can just fill it out online, or there are Connect cards in the back um, on the welcome table. Just fill one out and drop it in the bucket there, and and I'll follow up with you. Uh, A couple of other reminders that um, for everybody, there is a time of coffee and bagels and hospitality after the service. It's all set up in the cafeteria over here to my left. You can get there. The quickest way is to go outside and then turn left. to go through the glass doors. If you don't want to go outside, (laughs) you can go in the hallway behind me and walk all the way down and around, and you can stay nice and warm during that time. Um, But everyone, please stay after. It would be great to talk to each other. And the last reminder is there are Advent wreaths and and bags back there. If you'd like to take one for your your household, it would be great to have a devotional. You can light candles as we wake our way uh, to the season of Christmas uh, starting next week let's continue giving our gifts to the to the work of god
0: please rise for the singing of the doxology praise god from whom I blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him, I'm
2: God's blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace now and forever. Amen. You go in peace.